Welcome to the Drop the Remote Podcast. I'm Ben Houck. I'm Chris Heyer. And I'm Shane Foley. And this is a conversation show about across the Spider-Verse. We're better late than never, boys. Life's been happening. We're a little bit crazy here. Uh, we're mid-summer. We're halfway through the year. Fellas, how you feeling? Feeling uh, jammed up these days. Got a lot going on. It's the busy season, you know? It's fucking all over the place. It's taken us forever to get one of these episodes back out, but we're doing it, and I'm excited. Absolutely. Same, Chris. Shane, I saw you bright and early at like 7.45 at work the other morning. <laughs> I feel like all of us are just working, man. Uh, yes, you did. Yes, you did, Ben. Yeah, things are good. Things are good. Much like Chris just said, I am very much uh, also in the busy season. Work's crazy. Uh, Sean and I have six weddings that we're attending this wedding season, three of which are out of town. So we're just six. jam-packed. I got oh two of my seven out of the way already, so I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> I declined. What I declined. You guys, one. there's one in Tampa that I was like, I, I, I cannot go to Tampa for a wedding. I had to decline <laughs> two in India. Oh. <laughs> two in India, the double Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, Jeez they weren't Louise. even on the same week. If they were on the same week, maybe we'd talk about it. But two different weeks, no fucking way. I'm, I'm feeling so lucky. I only have one, and it's my sister. Uh, but in my life, I have a beautiful one-month-old Eli. Uh, how good! He's chilling. Um, he's figure out how to put his... air horns in for that one. <laughs> he's already watched uh, his first movie, which was uh, "You Hurt My Feelings," the Julia Louis Dreyfus uh, vehicle. There, I feel like it was pretty fitting for his first like formal popcorn sit-down movie, uh, given what a huge fan Stephanie is of Seinfeld. But. Uh, yeah, life's good. Life's crazy. So we're going to be trying to get the, the, the pod back on track here a little bit. Um, we know that, it, you know, we're busy, but at least we got the summer movie slate coming in hot. Uh, you know, we talked about Barbie, Oppenheimer, but one movie that we can't pass over is, is Spider-Man. Um, what I think I want to do, fellas, is let's jump into Spider-Man because it's happened so far back. And then let's do some of the what we've recently more recently watched. And then uh, we're going to do a kind of a reverse pod this time. So. Uh, let's jump into Spider-Man first, give the people what they want, and then uh, go into our feelings as we go head into uh, the middle of the Blockbuster System season and kind of recap the first half of the year here. Um, Audible, so, I love it. Yeah, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is the second part of what is clearly going to be at least a trilogy um, of an animated Confirm- Spider-Man just trilogy. Just a trilogy, Spider Man universe, um, featuring Miles Morales, which is gr- awesome, uh, as opposed to a Peter Parker. Although we do have a Peter A. Parker and a Peter B. Parker in the mix, much smaller part this time around. Um, and in Across the Universe, part two, The Empire Strikes Back, if you will, of the trilogy, we find the plot thickening, as, the, as it were, where Miles discovers that. Um, not only did other spider people come across the universe into his, but now he can travel uh, effectively through uh, with Gwen Stacy into other universes and try to solve other spider people's problems. Um, light plot uh, without any spoilers yet. We'll drop the big spoiler uh, cue here is that uh, he is now kind of lonely. Uh, our Miles Morales is kind of lonely in his Brooklyn spider verse. And, he, you know, he's solving things and he's got some villains that he's dealing with, especially one that seems like a nobody uh, called Spot and seems like it's just going to be an easy, quick in and out villain. Uh, but obviously the plot thickens there. 
Uh, Gwen Stacy then comes across the Spider-Verse, visits him, and lets him know that there's so much more out there. And he kind of sneaks his way into all these other Spider-Verses, learning all the spider lore and just having fun with it before ultimately um, kind of having a... I'm trying to think of another movie that does this plot device. Um, trying to save all the universes at once and like a classic superhero, I could save everything. Um, so I'll stop it there and we can gotta go over initial feelings uh, before getting into the, you know, what we're expecting for the third movie and, and it's kind of some of the spoilers. Uh, so Chris, Shane, it's been a minute. Uh, what were your thoughts on Across the Universe? Because this was our second most, our first most anticipated movie of, of the year. And Shane, yeah, I'll, Shane pulled it. So good, good grab there. I'll go first. And, and rightfully so. I actually did not pull it. Chris stole it from me like a bastard. Oh, Chris, um, right. Chris, Chris, was draft. Chris but, I, but you know what? I'm going to steal it from him and I'm going to take the first take here. So <laughs> I, first and foremost, I thought it was a masterpiece. I, I mean, I thought one, there was no shot that one was going to get topped. And then two, we went, Sean and I went opening night, uh, first showing opening night, BTX theater was absolutely packed. It was awesome. Uh, I got a, we got a uh, movie poster on the way out for free. They just gave it to us at uh, AMC, which is super cool. Oh, that's, that's um, I may frame it and hang it up in the home office. My thoughts were one, it was a masterpiece. Two, thinking back, because we saw it about a month ago now, it's funny that when you had mentioned uh, Gwen Stacy, I actually kind of weirdly felt like she was actually the lead in this movie. I didn't feel like it was as much Miles Morales as the lead. I thought it really worked. I thought they they shared the screen together a lot. And I thought their their dynamic was fantastic on screen. Wonderful voice acting. I, I think a movie like this shows you how important voice acting is. And nobody better than one of the best in the biz right now, Oscar Isaac, is the I don't would you consider him a villain, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. Spider-Man 2099 uh, coming in hot as a villain. One of three villains in this movie. Uh, we'll get to a little bit of a spoiler territory later, but uh, definitely one of three there. But the one thing that I, I, I will say when I was watching this, uh, we went, my little sister went with Sean and I too, and she was sitting next to me, and I looked at her 20, 20 minutes in, and I was like, this fucking rocks. I love this. And it was around like the 30-minute mark that I started to feel sort of like this is an awesome movie, but this feels like something more than a movie. This feels like a very new thing. It's like a immersive, almost MoMA type piece of art. Hmm. So yeah, big, I, big I, I, I love how it almost, I mean, it did it in the first movie too, but the animation style, we can't talk about it enough of it changing complete styles multiple times from being like the Annie Leibovitz, very cartoony, very hard lines, very dots, and then kind of the cell shading thing. And then it goes into like this purely impressionistic, you know, to your Gwen Stacy point of her being like kind of the main protagonist for a minute. Like it wasn't the the cold open wasn't Gwen Stacy, but it was like almost immediately after that, the big Gwen Stacy and her dad moment of um you know it's, it's this impressionistic watercolor painting and it's just like sick for like a whole 10 minutes just absolutely gorgeous and uh i think that was one of my favorite shots of this movie is just as in the first movie we get um when he takes the leap of faith off of the tower um that being you know the, po- the movie poster this movie i think it's gwen and miles morales and they're like shoulder to shoulder in the impressionistic painting upside down oh yeah. my god 
It's no, fantastic, I totally, beautiful shot. I totally agree. It's it feels like a very big cultural statement of just art, youth, the music, the soundtrack. Like the soundtrack, no matter how you feel about old hip hop versus new hip hop, and I, I think I definitely know where Chris stands in this, and I'm probably more in alignment with him on that too. But the production and the soundtrack was absolutely incredible. It felt like a very big cultural statement. It, it felt more like an experience than a movie to me. Yeah, and I love the soundtrack too. I feel like maybe it's, this is just the dad in me. It's like kicking in super hard. Um, but this was one of the first movies where I was just like, I like the music, but I can clearly tell it's being aimed at a teenager crowd or a younger crowd. And I'm like, oh yeah, Spider-Man is a teenager. <laughs> this is intended for younger folks. Um, but I, st- I did, I did still love the craft of the soundtrack and I think it's really well put together, but I think I'm now like when my dad was like Blink-182, that's some kid music. I'm now going to be that guy for parts of the Spider-Man soundtrack. Um, well, I, d- I didn't quite feel that way with as much of the first one. Um, but yeah, the old school hip hop, uh, it-, it carried me over. It carried me over. Come on, Biggie's in there. You know, there's, there's some gems. I mean, I think what I like the most, I'll give one more one more tidbit and then we'll go to Chris because I want to give him an opportunity to fully break this down too. Mm-hmm. But I think what I like the most about these is that I really don't know where they're going because it's such an original story. It's not part of the traditional Spider-Man storyline. I have no idea where these are going to go. So it's when you watch the traditional Spider-Man, you kind of know MJ, Peter, Uncle Ben, you know what's going to happen with Uncle Ben. With great power comes great responsibility. This is a totally new story that has not been told before. Yeah. And almost to the point of it, like fighting against that. Um, I mean, not to, not to, uh, I don't think this is a spoiler, but they go to the Indian universe of Spider-Man and we've got, uh, Karan Sony, uh, doing the Indian Spider-Man. I feel bad. I can't remember what the version of his is called, but yeah, he's got this like cool yo-yo tool that you have never seen in the Spider-Man world before. Uh, which is just kind of, it's kind of fresh. And there's like, and that's the beauty of Across the Spider-Verse is that you're seeing new Spider-Man and old Spider-Man mixed together in this beautifully creative Spider-Verse um, where you've got, you know, Cyber Spider-Man and Cyber-Man 2099. And then you've get the pointing thing from the 1960s Spider-Man and you get all this new spot, new stuff, including um, what I think is a great villain in Jason Schwartzman as Spot, um, the villain who turns into the main villain. Um, but his he's kind of like haphazard and doesn't really know how to use his powers. He's trying to steal an ATM in the beginning of the movie. And Miles Morales like pretty quickly foils him, but like can't figure out how to contain him because um, he's still tied to this Hydra and Collider style um, device. Uh, I like the, the switch between like, so in the first one, Miles Morales, you can't like, he's not sure how to use his powers. And then in the next one, you have the villain who I like, can't figure out exactly what he's doing. Agreed. I think that's like an interesting flop that they have there. Yeah, the villain not knowing for sure, for sure. Um, and then let's see here. Uh, I, I also compare this so much to, you know, when like other massive, amazing trilogies. And the first one that comes to mind is the original Star Wars trilogy. Like the New Hope, you know, sets it up, clean finish, epic arc. And then Empire Strikes Back comes in and they know they got to do it bigger and better. And they're trying all this new stuff. They build new worlds. They go to an ice planet. They go to a desert planet. They go to, you know, all this crazy stuff and just add so many more elements in. 
And much like Empire Strikes Back, um, this one kind of leaves you hanging. So I, 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 I don't want to say it's going to be as impactful as Star Wars, but I feel like it stole some of its homework on how to build that much hype going into the end part of a trilogy and how to balance the mini arc of a movie that makes you excited just to watch this as a single rewatchable. And then also giving you all the energy going into the third part of, um, you know, a trilogy, giving you energy towards the end. Um, you know, knowing that, you know, not only is every Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse, including Spider-Man 29.9 after our Miles Morales, but now, uh, you know, just what, how much is at stake now? All these other universes because he's trying to rip the fabric of, of timelines here. Yeah. And, and did you guys both know it was a trilogy when you walked in? I did so not. I did. So I did know I had read that like the day before that it was like, this is not the end. So I figured that this definitely be a trilogy. I didn't know it was going to end on such a cliffhanger, but I enjoyed so much of it. And then at the two hour mark, I knew it was over at 220. So I kind of was looking at my phone trying to pace the timing. And I was like, if they were to try to end this movie right now and cram this ending in the 20 minutes, they would completely ruin it. And I was really happy. Like looking at that, like through that lens, I was very happy that they did leave it on that cliffhanger because now they have bought themselves probably another two hours to really tell the full story and wrap it up and not ruin what I view as a perfect thing. I went with Christy like, the day after one of the seven weddings that I've got going on this year. And needless to say, we were struggling a bit when we were like watching it. Like it was the end of the day. We like ended up staying at my parents' house for most of the day, but we were still just hurting. And so I was like, Christy, you up for this? And she was like, yeah, I think I can do it. And so we're getting to like, I think it was only like an hour and a half in and she's, I can see her like fidgeting around and she's like, not super into it anymore and i was like oh no this is gonna be like a long ride so in my head i'm kind of like trying to hurry it up because i'm like all right we need to get out of here we need to go do whatever Hmm. and i didn't know it was going to be a three-parter i like or like a two-parter so i was like how are they gonna wrap this up there seems like there's way too much time left and nothing is coming to a conclusion at any point and then they just dropped it with the like to be continued. And I was just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> so <laughs> there was definitely some people in my theater that were like, are you kidding me? Yeah, right. No, I, I feel chip. This is, this is crap. Like how could they end a movie like that? And so I, I think there was some palpable, you know, people who were definitely surprised by that. And, uh, yeah, I, I I was just like you gotta the part one on there or something for me. Like <laughs> it's, it's exactly. I I was fine with it, but like I, I totally understand why uh, people are upset about it. I was trying well, to find like a Dune though. Dune was all set up with no payoff. At least there was some payoff to this one. It, like exactly. I still enjoyed it. I was just like, well, I like was not ready for that. Uh, yeah. So in the two hour twenty minute, because I agree, because it was getting to the two hour mark. I'm like no way you know like there's just like there's no main villains been totally built out um but yeah i I think more importantly it introduced you to so many great uh versions of spider-man whether it's jake johnson coming back as peter b parker and who's now got a kid and you imagine mary jane and spider-man having a kid and all the things that come along with that very funny um brian tyree henry obviously comes back as um Miles Morales' dad, Jeff Morales, 
Uh, Shamik Moore replies to Miles Morales. Haley Stanfield is our Gwen Stacy, who has a much bigger role. Um, Luna Lauren Velez is now Rhea Malat. Uh, that's Miles' mother. She returns in that role. But now, oh, so many new people that are amazing. Issa Rae is Jessica Drew, who is another pregnant mother Spider-Man kind of um she's got a motorcycle as her main power which is like super sick um daniel kaluuya in this one as hobie um let's see here shay wiggum is uh george stacy the father uh mahershala ali comes back as uncle aaron um so a little bit of a spoiler ish territory here a little throwbacks in, in in and out there what else we got here um spider bite comes back Andy Samberg comes in and off the top rope as another Spider-Man. Shout out, uh, shout out your guys' guy, Andy Samberg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, my goodness. I'm trying to go through all the names. But, again, it's another one of these movies where it's just like there isn't there isn't an unknown in this cast list for the, for the most so part. You know, they're all the, people who are working actively. One of the things that I thought was really great about this movie, and, Ben, you touched on this when we reviewed uh, Into the Spider-Verse, was – the timelines in the metaverse was such a big part of the plot here. And I've seen like the MCU kind of fuck it up before where they over convolute it. You kind of lose the viewer. You have no idea what's going on. And your take on the first one was don't tell me, show me. And this to me felt like it almost felt like they had listened to your line of don't tell me, show me. And they did it in this entire, they did it in the entire thing. This was like, they never took your foot off the gas so much going on but they did such a good job of not like letting it like cloud your mind too much like you kind of get it they break it down really simply for you this is the plot this is how the like the multiverse works these are the how the timelines go and then you understand it completely and it makes like it makes for a really really great plot absolutely and i I love that they just let the MacGuffins be the MacGuffins. this is like this random boot me up beam me up scotty machine in the the main hub world where they go in between all the other universes there's this weird wristband that allows you to go between the worlds like there's just very quick explanations that allow all this stuff to happen that nobody cares about because as soon as you get to that huge multiverse scene which by for my money is it's funny because i think this movie has three scenes that are absolutely unassailable but like one of them is definitely like when miles gets to the multiverse and all the spider-man are just hanging out pointing at each other and just like the ridiculous number of Easter eggs and cameos and nonsense that's just so going on. What was on. your favorite Easter egg thing that you saw in any of that? Would you say? Ah, it's it's weird because think like I wish it hadn't been like thirty days since I've seen the movie. Now, um, I don't I don't know if I have that. I think Spider Punk might be my favorite, and I don't even think he was an Easter it's a solid egg. I, new addition. I, I just think he's a super solid new addition. Um, and that's Daniel Kaluuya just rocking it as Hobie. Um, and I, I think just because Spider Punk's in a couple comics and he's got his own line, but and and like he's been referenced in um, the video games and stuff. But he's not, like just to see him in a movie doing his thing, I think Spider Punk wins out for me. What about you, Chris? I, I have a feeling I know who you're gonna say. Uh, do you think? Uh, I think you probably do. I think my uh, I enjoyed seeing Donald Glover in there as like the yep. the other universe prowler. Yeah, but also just cool. live action Dan, Donald Glover, just because yeah, like, just like just to throw that another, in there real quick. Yeah, just to well, throw another was, layer on there. He was. It, it pays homage too to like 
think we touched on this in the Into the Spider-Verse episode also. He was the inspiration behind the Miles Morales comic, I guess. I think you said that, Chris, mm. that he was wearing a Spider-Man costume in one of the episodes of Community, and they kind of took that and ran with it. And pajamas. Yeah, sorry, pajamas. Yeah, that's what it was. But I also <laughs> read somewhere that he at one point was rumored to play a role in an actual Spider-Man movie outside of this, too, and then it kind of didn't work out. So this was also paying homage to that. Yeah, I mean, Donald. I feel like anything that Donald Glover touches is going to be better. So I can't wait for them to do that. I, I think it could happen, but we'll see. I'd, I'd love to have seen uh, Danny DeVito as Spider-Man from It's Always Sunny. <laughs> like I saw that meme somewhere, and I was like, "Yes, that, wait, that one needs to be in the background somewhere." That's an incredible idea for the third one. It's just start introducing different city Spider-Man, and Philadelphia Spider-Man <laughs> would definitely have to be Danny DeVito. <laughs> it's got to be, but then he's got to be like, "No, no, no." I was man spider. It's a completely different character. <laughs> uh, I, I think this is where we dropped the spoiler warning. Cause I'm going to start getting into some um, things that I was a l- less happy about and definitely the ending, um, which, which I, I love the ending, but I think, all right. So big spoiler warning. You've been told we've started talking about some Easter eggs. So, you know, this is drop the remote podcast. You know what you're getting in for folks. Uh, we, we just, we're just, we're just shooting from the hip here. So, if you haven't seen this movie, you've had we gave you a full month and a half, two month head start. That's on you if you're not a big enough fan to go catch it by now. So, all right. So, one of my biggest gripes, and you guys kind of already got to it, is um, in that whole sequence of the live action Donald Glover, you also start bringing in live action elements in just little snippets and homages to the Marvel MCU Spider Man. And I'm not gonna lie, they did it very quickly and very tastefully, but I think it still pissed me off. Um, I didn't want to see uh, Toby Maguire. I didn't want to see Andrew Garfield. And I definitely didn't want to see Tom Holland because I want that to be in their box. And I want my own little perfect animated uh, Into the Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse box that I can hold on to and be like, this is near perfect, untainted by the rest of the nonsense. Um, I also find guys, it what weird. Do- I find it, sorry, Ben. I, I find it yeah. really weird that this is owned by Sony and that they're willing to collaborate with Mar- like with Marvel on this. Like, like Sony owns this, and this is clearly the best thing that's come out of any comic book universe since Avengers Endgame. Like, I, I do, there's no need right. for it. Like, it's yours, Sony. It, it's a it's a W. You don't have to add anything to it. I, and I, I like I said, they did it so quickly and so tastefully. But I, I'm convinced the movie would have been better without it because they had so many references already. You proved a point that you know your Spider-Man lore. You know all this other Easter egg stuff. You didn't need to just throw in the, the most recent everybody main, you know, mainstream Spider-Man stuff that people know about. Uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts on that? To believe in the Spider-Verse situation, like how many are animated? How many are right. not animated? How many are Legos? Apparently one of them is Legos at least. Right. Like, <laughs> You know, fourteen. I guess like, and that's what killed me. Yeah, I did read that. That's pretty badass. It's awesome. I like the I like the Lego reference, but like I I don't know why the live action one threw me so much. I I I don't know. Thumbs up, thumbs down on on that segment. Like, am I the only one? I don't think that they're like, listen, it's all of it. We're talking like multiple universes. Like that's part of it. Like, you know, everything you know about Spider-Man is just a different universe. And it kind of contextualizes a lot of it. I think Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not, I don't, it didn't annoy me as much as I think it did you, Ben, but I, 
I lean more towards your side of that the argument of like it's just not necessary or needed at all. It, like, it didn't add. It doesn't do right. anything. Right, right. But I also um, think, like, to be but, fair, we don't know. Like, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, Tom Holland, all huge movie stars, they may have called and been like, hey, give us, we want it. This is awesome. We want to have a 10 second cameo in it. Yeah. And you, you wonder how exactly how much of that was just industry uh, coming back and forth there. Um, so then, like, after that sequence, basically, he, he manages to get back to his own world. Um, what he thinks is Miles, our Miles Morales gets back to his own world because he wants to save his father from um, Spot, who is ultimately going to wreak havoc in his universe. And so he hits the button, and I forget what item he's attached to. Anyway, anyway, some MacGuffin sends him to the wrong universe where he very quickly finds that uh, in other universes, Miles Morales is not a hero. Oh, and in fact, yeah. Because it doesn't send him to the wrong universe. So I actually did pick up on this. That machine, the way that machine works, is it sends yes. you takes his DNA, right? Whatever wherever your DNA is from. But the whole point is that the spider that bit him and turned him into mm. Spider-Man came from a different universe. So it sent him back to not the universe that Miles Morales, the kid, lived in, but actually the universe right. that that spider that bit him came from. The spider was from. Right. Because Peter A. Parker was the, uh, supposed to be the Spider-Man in, in, in our Miles Morales' world. And yes. because the spider that bit him from the other universe sends him to the other one where, indeed, uh, Miles Morales is not the hero, but he is the villain and he is the prowler, uh, filling Uncle Aaron's shoes, uh, which I think, and then hard cut, I believe, is where the movie ends. And I think that's just an amazing place to end it. Because not only, it, much like um, Han Solo, being stuck in the liquid metal nonsense in the wall. Um, our, our guy, Miles Morales, is locked up. The Prowler's got his claws to his neck. And it's just like the Houdini, A, how is he going to get out? B, Houdini. how is he going to get into his own world to, to fight Spot? And then C, he's got Spider-Man 2099 super pissed off at him that he's causing all these holes in the universe and A, that he got out from that trap. So um, I, I think just those three amazing elements just just projectile this thing just rocket ship you know into the third one and i've got one prediction yeah i'm gonna say that miles morales in the new universe the prowler miles morales yes total cool dude yeah, Turns yeah. out that guy's super chill i'm pretty and sure I, that's where we're heading like, with that one that's a that's a yeah. good that's a good call i feel he like they're gonna stop have... it first but like that guy's pretty cool I feel like they're going to at least join forces for a minute to help get our Miles Morales through Spider-Man out of there. Um, great movie. Uh, I, I mean, I gave it an A++. I think it's one of the essential top four movies you have to see this year. Uh, and any other uh, wrapping up thoughts on on acro- across the Spider-Verse? I have two, but Chris, if you have any, you go first. Uh, no, nah, I'm good. So my number one is that this movie will absolutely be nominated across the board come Oscar season for every nomination Mm -hmm. category. I believe that this movie will break through as one of the first animation movies to definitely be nominated, but potentially win film of the year. Now that the field's been open to 10, I, I would, I absolutely see this getting a nod. I could, 
we'll see how the rest of the year shakes out, but I would be very surprised if it doesn't make it into the top 10. Two. You think a movie that ends on to be continued can win movie of the year? I, I mean, it'd be epic if it not, did. It's not resolved. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're not, I don't know. I think that but, but I, has happened yeah. in this movie to give it, to give it that, at least put it in the conversation. And, and it's got that balance of the art and the craft, as well as like, it's going to make Mondo bucks. Um, I, I could see it. Um, and I think that's going to parlay into what is my top four of the year so far. Um, I, I really think there's only been four or, or one more. Go for it, Shane. Just one more take. I, and I should have brought this up in the beginning, too. When we, It was very interesting to see the story evolve into more of a teenage year of coming of age story about Miles Morales. But to see it from different angles, because I felt like Into the Spider-Verse was very focused on him trying to find his place as like a young boy and focused heavily on his relationship with his father. This one was, I felt way more focused on him as kind of a rebellious teenager and really focused on the story of his mother really having trouble with, you know, kind of letting him go and letting him grow up. And I thought it also Mm -hmm. really focused on, okay, now I now know who I am as like a middle-aged teenager but here are like the hard things that come with it and like loneliness and my friends are all off and gone and I'm all alone. And you didn't really feel that in the first one. It was actually the opposite. So I'm very much looking forward to the third one. The way that they cliff hung the second one was that the whole crew from into the spider verse is coming to save the day. So I'm looking forward to seeing the band get back together. Absolutely. And and I have to agree. The emotional stakes of this one are so much higher because it, it's it's off of that origin story and onto onto something bigger, um, amazing movie, a plus movie. Uh, one of the four things I can wholeheartedly uh, recommend this year. Um, that's a very short list, as as I think we found out, and I think that's why your Oscar take is super solid. Because the only other cinematic feature that I'm like, let's go, is John Wick Mafia Four. Mama. Oh no, can't do Mafia Mama. Mafia, so I don't think I've been on the pod yet. <laughs> talking about mafia mama but um it's funny i pulled up our draft um i picked mafia mama number eight overall and that was uh eat pray fuck uh mafia mama (laughs) definitely not which is funny because i feel like three other movies have made that joke and mafia mama did it first is all i want to say um but definitely definitely not deserving of being in the top 10 most anticipated um but one of my most anticipated uh was john wick four which lived up to all the hype i know we talked about it already um, and then I hate to say it, but this is another year. I feel like we're having another COVID year where TV is beating the crap out of movies early and it's not close. Um, well, the we Bears, have the writer's strike, so who knows when that starts catching up to itself. Uh, agreed. And so TV could spiral into reality television uh, doom cycle again, oh. for sure. But in, in the meantime, agreed. I, I share that sentiment with reality oh. TV. It makes me want to. It makes me want to die because people no, not thanks. trying to embarrass themselves are being less and less authentic, and therefore your TV. I, I'd rather be fictionally written because, like, you're fake on a reality television show anyway because you're trying to protect yourself. It's, ben, it's how nonsense. much? It's, 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 how it's, much do you, Ben? How much do you know about the writer strike? Like the just the basic premise of it of what they're asking for. Over, like, do, uh, might be worth taking like two minutes and just kind of yeah. diving through like yeah, yeah. notes. 
For sure. And so the, the things to know, especially for our pod and our timeline of how we release these, is that a lot of 2023 is not going to be affected. A lot of the movies being released and that are going to win this year's Oscars and, and then our TV. Exactly. They're fully baked. They were fully written. They went to production. No problems there. The issue now is that writers are not writing scripts for productions that will happen in 2024 and beyond, mostly. So there is going to be a big dropout in 2024 of written of good new written content. Um, and so and same thing with movies and same thing with TV shows. Right. So that's why all the late night shows are not on. All those joke writers are part of that um, union. So um, I think it's coming down to three major things. Uh, one money because money runs the world and obviously they want more money. Totally understandable. Everybody wants a living wage. I won't call it say a living wage, but like, I think for how much clout their work is worth, they want more money, which is understandable. I feel like most writers are doing okay. It's their intellectual uh, property. Anyway, it, it, right, exactly. It's money, first and foremost. Second of all, I think it's the streaming era has caught up since 2007 and the last uh, agreement that went through. And because streaming is now so powerful, um, the writers need feedback and to be in an ecosystem from these streamers that's going to benefit them. And right now, it's the business is purely helping the streamers. Like they know how many subscribers they have. They know how many watches on each piece of content they've had. And they get to control all that flow and all that data. And the writers have absolutely zero appeal to it. So on their own resume, they can't say like, Hey, I had a show on Netflix that, you know, 25 million people saw. Cause all they can say is I had a show on Netflix, which doesn't mean anything. Cause you could be the doo-doo on the bottom of Netflix, or you could be the, you know, stranger things monster title that everybody and their brother watched. Right. So I think it's a lot about the analytics of the streaming era and how, what the writers are going to be able to get and how they're going to be able to promote their movie and get paid for their movie through that. Because if you write a hit for Netflix, you should definitely be getting residuals and payment more than just the, I sold this Netflix and now I've got one big chunk of change. Right. So definitely all that stuff in figuring out the pay scale for, how streaming works and how it's going to pay out. And then third, which I didn't expect, which came out of left field in 2023, is I think there's legitimately some AI scare. I think there's some people who are just like, these major studios want to replace parts of our union with AI. And it started out as a joke. And then it got more and more real to the point where you've got serious comedians being like, you know, John Mulaney wrote for SNL. And he's just like, look, I don't think AI could write the best joke of the night. But I think it might write the 10th best joke or the 15th best joke. And maybe it writes the last two minutes of Weekend Update. You know what I mean? Some of those super topical jokes that, you know, the Internet aggregator probably could figure out. And so I think some of these writers are just like, yeah, I I don't want even 80% of all writing work. I want 100% of it. And even if AI takes a 10% or 20% chunk of my job, uh, fuck that. So I think they just want like a stone cold, absolutely no AI being used in any union work so um, that's that's the third most surprising one but definitely that's important i think now yeah that's and i've done some some like very high level research like i have not dove dove into the details but those were that's pretty much what Mm -hmm. i found too ben the streaming being a big part of it but the other aspect that i I found very interesting was basically when the last collective bargaining agreement was agreed to back in 07 like collective intellectual property was not such a big part of mainstream television and mainstream movies and now you're like okay we're just gonna rewrite like a bunch of different marvel shows and movies and we don't really like own the full rights to that 
and this is what you want, but we're not getting a fair share for our writing because you're basically telling us that 70% of where we need to get to is already in etched in stone. So really interesting take. And I actually think if anyone listens to this podcast that we should probably highlight this in the notes somewhere that we did dive into the quick overview of the writer's strike for three or four minutes. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely going to affect the movies that I love, you know what I mean? So I am, am, am sort of sad uh, that it's happening. And then obviously I'm, I'm on the writer's side. I want the creative to get paid. Uh, I, I think, you know, the studios, are some of the biggest companies in the world, my, uh, my heart is not going out to Disney, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, any of those fuckers. <laughs> so like, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I love the work that they, they help produce, but um, I think you got to let creatives cook and uh, pay them, you know, pay, you know, pay them to do the work. So they used, uh, to, yeah. they used to say back in my advertising days, it was a uh, common saying creative is king. Mm, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, you know, so you know, looking at 2023, I, I don't know how it's going to rank in like the best movie years or ever, but it, I think it's pretty safe to say 2024 might be a lot of unoriginal content and, or like screenplays that have been like put on the blacklist for forever and just never made. And like, I feel like 2024 is going to be like a, maybe a wild west of movie making because like, they're just going to dig up stuff that's already been locked in and approved. And it's so maybe we'll finally get to some of these projects that like just keep getting kicked down the road forever. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, and, and that puts a weird spot for TV too, right? So some of my favorite shows uh, either wrapped up and or, uh, you know, and we're, so we're going to do the Barry succession swap, me and Shane. Uh, both shows just wrapped up. Uh, Barry season four, absolute banger. Um, I would say that the final season was good, but not the highest peak that the show has gotten to. Um, but Barry as a whole, is just an amazing show and very funny, dry commentary on modern world through like an action, weird assassin kind of storyline plot. Uh, so I'm excited for you to watch the Shane and you're going to throw succession my way, which is obviously way more in the zeitgeist, but uh, you know, I know some things I'm, I'm just looking forward to all the creative uses of the F word. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because we talked about this on a couple other previous episodes that, I have never seen, I think I've seen like 10 minutes of Barry and it gets such high mm-hmm. reviews. I mean, coming from yourself, from Chris, from pretty much anyone that watches it and you ask, they love it. I feel like when you talk about succession, I understand why it, where you sit, which is like you've casually viewed a few episodes or maybe you watch season one, it would come mm-hmm. across that way. And I think there's way more to it than that. So Ben and I had made a, uh, we made an offline agreement to swap for the summer and I'll watch uh I'll go get through all four seasons of Barry. He'll do all four seasons of Succession, and uh, hopefully we can uh, we can bang an episode out when we get to the conclusion. Because Chris has watched all of both of them, I believe. No, I haven't finished Barry yet, so I I can jump on finishing Barry. I guess I'm not, uh, Ben. Do you know the like ending to Succession? Did you see like all of that stuff when it came I, out? I don't. I'm st- I'm still spoiler free. Um, I, I guess I know a little bit about who doesn't end up with the company. But so I guess I guess I've had some spoiler, but I think there's still enough wiggle room and like what there's my knowledge would be like, huh? I wonder how this ends. Kind it, of thing. I, I think it'll hold me to the end for sure. Yeah. Uh, that no, I, I don't think I. I think Secession is more of a show of the journey, not the destination, as far as all that stuff goes. So I'm not totally sure. worried about that. I think it's more about all the fuckery that happens in between and not the ultimate who gets fucked at the end. So, um. 
Yeah. And so uh, another TV show I got to mention, and I think it's like all the rage this, this week is the bear uh, Chicago land food show. Uh, season one came out of absolutely nowhere uh, last year and just was like, holy shit. All the culinary people were like, yeah, that's definitely got some talking points, but like super over dramatic, but like super cool stuff with the camera, really sharp writing. Uh, and everybody loved it. And so like the stakes were reasonably high for season two to live up to it on Hulu and the FX project. Um, and it's got Jeremy White at, at the center of it from Shameless, who did 10 years of Shameless. So not like an AA plus lister star. Um, but then he comes in in season two, pulls out all the stops, expands the cast. And now you've just got um, and I think they, they, they got some budget so they, they could go to Copenhagen. They could go to more of these fine dining restaurants. Everybody had seen the first season. So like more people wanted to work with them. And so the cameos between the cameos and this plot and what they were able to do. Amazing, amazing show. Uh, the Bears season two. Can't recommend it enough. Uh, I was willing to submit four. I did. And I'm willing okay, to submit I'm, four I'm episodes in, in, into the TV Hall of Fame um, from season two. So if you haven't seen it, go two? check it out. Yeah. Um, wow, I'll give you the, okay. the names of the I'll give you the names of the episodes. That's how Wait, far in I'm like I know. Don't spoil. Wait until I'm done. Okay, fair enough. Episode Fishes, insane. Episode Forks, insane. Episode Honeydew, insane. And then the finale, insane. All four of those. Uh I think the finale is called the bear. So uh the fact that I know what the episode names are and that they should be in the Hall of Fame <laughs> to tell you everything you need to know, because shit shit's insane and I love it. Um, as someone who works in the food service, always got to drop my disclaimer that it is a well over dramatized show. And that is not at all how most professional kitchens operate, but for the love of God, it is starting the conversation on so many things, including like mental health and addiction and, uh, just how shitty the business practices of a restaurant are and can be and how much pressure gets put on people to work in that industry, even though, you know, they're not bad people working in the industry. It's just the industry kind of sucks sometimes. So I think it's opening up a lot of conversations that are worth having. And I don't think any other piece of media or content has dove that deep into that conversation, maybe other than Anthony Bourdain. Like he's the only other comp I've got of like, was just ready to call a spade a spade in the food industry. So uh, shout out to the bear. Um, the bear is one of those shows where I like, I haven't finished season one, but I've been thinking about it enough to the point that I was like saying we should start yelling corner at work today because <laughs> I almost got hit by a door and I was like, maybe we start calling corners around here. And that was a direct, I definitely got that from the bear. <laughs> There's a reason. It's funny because like I walk around certain offices and certain manufacturing buildings and they have all the mirrors where you can see around the corner and like the, the idea of the safety. And so I'm like, what if kitchens just had a shit ton of those mirrors? And I think I feel like that's still not the point. The point is like you've got a hot pan or a knife or like you can't bump into me because like you will get hurt, you know? But like, um, yeah, fan- fantastic stuff. Uh, I-, I will never call. I call. So here's the thing. Not everybody deserves to be called chef. I still think only the top two or three honchos in any kitchen deserve to be called chef. So that's the only other caveat I'll put on that. It's like well, I throw a chef around to everybody now. I would call everybody <laughs> chef these See, days. See, I I knew that was gonna happen and I'm already pissed off about it. <laughs> uh what else what else have you guys been watching? I know you guys both got a list and uh I don't want to wax poetic too much about bear hair. No, you go first, Chris. Uh all right. 
right. Well, let's see. A uh, new season of I Think You Should Leave came out recently. Mm. I don't know. I don't think either of you guys are big on that one. I, uh, I'm not, but I, I know enough of, of Robinson there and, and all of his work and that everybody oh, is some good stuff. Is, yeah, because they were talking about like modern comedy, people who could carry a modern studio comedy because the Jennifer Lawrence uh, No Hard Feelings came out and everybody just shouted at the top of the lungs like, Tim Robinson, that's it. Like, that's who we got. Like, he's fucking hilarious, don't get me wrong, but, like, leading a movie, I don't know. The skit format, I think, is perfect for him. Like, Mm -hmm. the stuff is so weird, and it's just kind of the way he talks, and just, I don't know, he's always, like, kind of the heel in every skit, too. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can do a whole movie behind that, but that show is just too much. I think, yeah, yeah. I love that show, is great. And then, uh, let's see, what else? Oh, there's been a new season of It's Always Sunny that's been pretty decent. Not mm-hmm. the greatest episode, caught, but, you know. I feel I feel like that show in Rick and Morty, I, I just check in. Like, I'm not a completionist with those shows anymore. But I check in every once in a while, watch one great episode. I'm like, yeah, the show still slaps. It's still yeah. great. I make, sure, I make sure to watch every It's Always Sunny just because I'm hoping for that one last banger of an episode the frank versus russia episode was pretty good last week but uh, okay I'll, I'll jump back in for that one and then i think the other thing I, I think i asked you guys at one point but platonic have you guys watched that one on apple i haven't i've you, heard you've mentioned it a couple it. times now i like it so far it's uh god what is her name rose Byrne, maybe i want to say Australian. yeah that's her Audrey absolutely no, Roseburg, Roseburg, yeah, yeah, and then Seth Rogen, and they're just like friends from high school or something. They haven't talked in a while. That's right. And, and Roseburg is together. like legitimately married to somebody else, right? Or, yeah, or and not, maybe? it's not like a romantic relationship at all right. in any way. It's just that they're they like hadn't talked because she didn't like uh, Seth Rogen's now ex-wife so like they had just right. gotten divorced and that like rekindles their relationship kind of and they're just outrageous it was pretty good i don't know i, I, I feel like seth rogan's so much watch tv for me as someone who has written a screenplay completely based on his likeness as a weed genie so i, I think I, I need to catch up on what seth rogan has been doing the um, weed genie is great that, that, that'll be another pod where I, where I explain that my screenplays but uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I got to catch up on Platonic. That's a good, good recommend. Chris, I think, Chris, there was one more show that you had told me you'd watched, uh, The Idol. I, I have not watched a single minute of that show. Well, yeah, I didn't even want to bring that one up. But everybody's talking about it, man. You got to give us at least two minutes on this. What, what is it? Watched, why, why, do we, why should I even remotely one? care? I watched the first episode, maybe. Oh, okay. right. So it's like the, the general, the gist that I got. Maybe I watched two. I don't know. I could have watched two. I'm not sure. But it's like, so there's this Britney Spears-esque character, right? Uh-huh. She's like the main character. And she had just, her mom just died recently or something. She had a breakdown. And there was the whole like first half of the episode was just them panicking about like, uh, like a money shot of hers going around on the internet. Like somebody posted a picture of her with like tears on her face. And that's like the, that was like, they were all trying to like not tell her. And so I don't know. It was weird. It's like the, 
shittier parts of Succession where it's like weird business stuff, and then also like just like overly sexual when it doesn't need to be. Like the weekends in it, and he like tries to romance her, but like it's weird. There's no reason why he's got this weird like rat tail, and I'm like, well, why is he even? But also, it the weekend carries weird sexual baggage. I, all I know is that, like, the ringer, vibe. the ringer had one headline about the idol, and it says, is anybody involved with the idol actually had sex before? Because it seems <laughs> like, like they just, like, are not, like, they don't really know how it works. Dude, or, like, weird. displaying sex on TV is already very taboo, and, like, to do it that poorly, I think, is even worse. So They're trying to make it super, like, steamy and instead i'm just like this is fucking weird <laughs> like I, i'm not enjoying this yeah all right well so the idol not recommended by drop the remote <laughs> podcast i uh, feel like we got we got screwed we were replacing barry in succession with the the shit idol and uh the shit was, idol. Was there another <laughs> was there another <laughs> hbo show that came out or is it just a shit idol there was the oh one, that's the hbo a show, show? I watched it. it's got jesse Oof. Fleming's in it I haven't watched it yet, though. Oh, I haven't watched that. I'm a big, I'm a big Plumbing fan. I'll drop a few, and then we can uh, we can get out of here. Uh, I don't yeah. want to give either of these two too much time because it's been so long since they both capped, but both of them will land in my top ten all time. Ted Lasso season three wrapped it up. Very mm-hmm. good, solid, yep. pre- predictable but great ending. Succession season four wrapped it up in my view. They landed the plane perfectly for that show. Um, I've watched a few episodes of Silo on Apple TV. I'm really undecided on it. It's got it's very heavy, uh, post-apocalyptic, kind of meets like a little bit sci-fi. It's very dense. I think I've watched two episodes. I'll probably give it another few before I decide. And I have watched all of the episodes of a steaming pile of dog shit in the crowded room and you watch all of it i've watched so all the episodes why, why of all of it if it's that bad okay. no because so it's, why all, because all, it's that bad. all that's out because are you hate watching it right now i'm hate watching it because once i i've watched <laughs> i've watched four out of the five out of the ten episodes now so like it would be more of a waste of my time not to just finish it um you're gonna and, finish it oh yeah and when season two comes out you're gonna watch that too <laughs> Oh, no, I feel like we hit a little bit of lag. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah, we got him. We got him. Uh, yeah, no, I, I will finish it. But this brings me to a quick question that I'd like to ask. When I'm watching it, I'm watching Tom Holland. And I think I always just automatically was like, oh, he's a good actor. And now I'm watching him in the show and I'm like, is Tom Holland a good actor or is he just a movie star? Because there is a distinct difference between the two. Or is he just British? Um, I think that the MCU saved his ass because uh, I go through his IMDb and it is all garbage all the way down with the exception of MCU. So I'm going to go ahead and say he's a trash actor. How long is he going to get away with being a teenager? He's 29. He can't can't go on that much longer. He's almost 30. Right. He's so he did it. He did it. I watched the first couple episodes of what, The Crowded Room. Like, they got him in high school, and I was like, how is he getting away with this? Like, he's pulling it off, kind of, but I'm starting to question it a lot more. And then like, he clearly looks young, but like, 
I don't know. Even with long hair, I can't see him. It's it's funny because I can't not see him as at least a twenty. You know, I can't see him older than thirty though. He's one of those weird guys like that because like him and uh, your favorite T- Timothy Chalamet there. Uh, they're the two people who definitely don't look over thirty. You know what I mean? So I probably a little bit longer. Christy got a Jiminy Chardonnay uh, magazine from her mom the other day, <laughs> and it's like on our fucking fireplace now. I mean, just 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 inch it a little He's bit closer at me into right the now fire. And I don't like Throw it. it in. Just Throw inch it, it in a little bit closer into the actual fireplace. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, all right. Re- so Shane watched a couple of movies. I want to get you get to because i really want to hear about elemental a little bit because we've we've gone back and forth on the animation debate uh jump into elemental a little bit for me because i think that was on a lot of people's that was on our most anticipated list yeah uh, i thought it was, no we I didn't thought it was nobody, great. you did draft it it was number 10 on our most anticipated um yeah give us a little rundown on that yeah i thought it, i thought it was great it was it's disney pixar i saw it after uh after i saw across the spider-verse so i think across the spider-verse mm. sets the bar really high for animation but Pixar has been doing it for so long and they're so good at what they do. I thought it was very much a, uh, much like all Pixar movies. Now it's a, a movie about ideas that mm. metaphorically kind of bleed into our everyday lives. And they're built for little kids to digest and understand and teach them concepts about acceptance and how two people can be different, but they can still love each other. So I thought it was great. We took, uh, Sean and I took my little, our little niece on, um, on opening night, actually, we took her. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And what did the niece think? Did the niece love it? Did the kids love it? Yeah, she loved it. She loved it. Yeah. She loves everything. Though. See, that's what's more. Yeah, as, I mean, as, she, like as a dad preparing to take my kid to movies later. I mean, obviously, a one month old's not getting through so many movies. But like, I'm just prepared to watch some awful kid stuff, knowing that it's fine. It's for the kids as long as they stick the landing and they're not like preaching like. uh I don't know. I was gonna say devil worship, but I like I might even be pro devil worship at this point. Um, as long as it's pretty cool. Pixar yeah, as long as it's not like of, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, Pixar always does a good job of like they don't go too hard with it. They find they strike the perfect balance. The animation's great, mm. and they lay they lay on the plane every time. I I don't think that Pixar is like you're not gonna see a Toy Story out of Pixar Studios again. I don't think mostly because the head of animation. Uh, was accused of some very terrible things and now it doesn't work there anymore. Yeah. Um, but either way, like I, I think they're always great. Like I'll always go see their movies. They always do an awesome job. Um, and then we saw, I've seen a couple other things that actually pleasantly surprised me. Uh, I thought about my father was cute, funny, easy watch. and uh, har- Harmless, act- right? Yeah. Harmless, yeah. It was, Everybody it loves was Bobby D. Who doesn't Bobby love D. Robert De Niro? Just, just, just running it back. He's, he's doing Meet the Fockers one more time, man. But now he's just like an Italian hairstylist. Hilarious. Who would have yeah. thought Robert De Niro running his hand, his fingers through women's hair would be so funny? But that was by far the funniest part for oh, me. Oh, it was absolutely and he's just like, Yeah, you guys can't see the video right now. But like, I'm just like running my own fingers through hair. Because it's just so weird to see Robert De Niro, this old man, like doing that. I don't know. Yeah, and then I also saw, surprisingly, not bad, was Transformers Rise of the Beasts. I mean, it was not great at all, but I, I think... I don't it, believe you. I swear to God, we went and saw it, and I was like, oh, this is actually, like, I thought it was going to no, suck. No, no, I believe you saw it. I believe you saw it, but I don't <laughs> believe that it was good. I thought it was going to suck. It was, it gets a... It gets They're a, animals now, right? It gets a B-. minus. The it Transformers are animals now. Um, And, the, <laughs> yeah, that I mean, that's really it. I've seen a couple other things, too, but... We can save that. We can save those for another episode. All right. I want to wrap up this pod with a little lightning round of 
um, going back through, we're halfway through the year. Um, and I want to go through the movie draft and just, you know, yay or nay on movies. Um, and what are we still super excited to see? So most of these have actually come out now, um, with a few exceptions. So across Spider-Verse, obviously a plus plus across this Barbie, super excited. The Barbie, the Barbie Oppenheimer showdown is coming. And I think, I think I'm still going to try to figure out a way to do both in one day. Um, it's going to be insane. Um, Barbie was featured in Architecture Digest. And like, that means that the sets are absolutely bonkers. And like, just how much modern architecture went into that shit. I think the production value is going to be off the chart. I'm still Team Barbie. You can shame me later. Um, people are apparently. I still just don't understand what it's about. People are apparently Barbie, sobbing, sobbing coming out of Oppenheimer, though. Um, I am ner- I think Oppenheimer might sweep the Oscars, which is why, like, when you said across the Spider-Verse was going to win, I was like, I don't know, man. Oppenheimer is apparently, like, emotionally just devastating people. So I'm a little, uh, Tim, I, I, I don't know. I'm like, so super excited for both of them. Any Oppenheimer thoughts, Shane? Any, any other roundup news that you may have, I may have missed? No, I, I'm excited. I'm actually excited for both of them, too. I've seen a few more trailers about Barbie that have come out and kind of shed a little bit more light into at least what the premise of the movie is. I'm probably going to attempt to Oppenheimer in the morning, Barbie at night them. I don't want it. Oppenheimer. Oh, that's, that, that's a bold, bold take to do Oppenheimer first, but I love it. I don't want right, I'm going to keep this going. For Barbie, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Oh, for Oppenheimer, right, right, for the other way around. Yeah, yeah I uh, want to so be Dune Part Two, uh, Spicy Sand Boogaloo. Uh, the trailer with uh, Timothy Chardonnay dropped like eight hours ago. I don't know if you guys have caught it. Uh, the trailer looks really good. I'm not gonna lie. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna stick to the landing. Um, very anticipated November. John Wick Four, banger, unassailable. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. Action movies on 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 fleek. Fool's Paradise came out. Did you get to see this, Chris? I haven't watched it yet. Um, f- funny. You said it was pretty good, though. Funny, funny. Not gonna, not gonna light your hair on fire, but funny. Charlie Day's funny. The cast is insane. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't believe how many people were in it. Um, I, I do think that that like, gets a soft recommend. Um, of like, don't if you keep your expectations low, you're gonna have a good time. Um, community movie not out yet. Haven't seen a trailer really get coming out i know this yeah, was gonna be a long shot it. i i don't know My mafia mama here. was a bust uh Dang sorry it. folks sorry sorry folks <laughs> but yeah uh, someone who had such high hopes for that that was a bust killers of flower moon also people leaving the theaters sobbing like i so this is why like the oscar is gonna get crowded because there's a couple of movies that are nuts um i know holy cow we're, we're cutting down to the end here elemental came out uh not 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 the best Pixar we've we've determined. Uh, Shane's determination, but also still worth seeing as our, our number ten here. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three uh, came out. Did you guys get to catch this one? I didn't. I haven't seen that one. No, I think I'm so, just waiting for that to come out on like Disney Plus or something. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think um, Daddy Issues uh, Raccoon Edition. Um, did not it wasn't the plot line I was expecting. Um, I guess is what kind of like I wanted I think Star Lord needed to be more in the in the frame and more in the center of it. And I wasn't expecting uh a raccoon voiced by uh director pants there from uh Star is Born. I can never remember names, it's terrible. I'll tell you everything else he's been in from uh Bachelor Party in Vegas movie 
Come on. <laughs> Give me his name. Somebody. Bradley Cooper. Uh, Bradley Cooper. Thank God. Yeah, Bradley Cooper raccoon movie wasn't what we I needed. just wanted to see you struggle for a little while. <laughs> the hangover. Why couldn't I even spit out the hangover? Oh, my God. Bad name <laughs> night. Uh, as a dad at 10, 15 at night, this is this is where we're at. Um, so anyway, that's probably a bust to Marvel needs to get his shit back together. Um, Strays <laughs> hasn't come out yet. Uh, any any people are crying coming out of the movie theater for Strays though. <laughs> is that right? Sobbing. They're <laughs> sobbing coming out of the movie theater for Strays. Uh, that's the dog movie, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, anim- kind of animated dog <laughs> movie. <laughs> Perfect. Did this has it come out yet? Am I am I missing this? No, I don't think so. I've seen. I've actually seen August eighteenth. Okay, it, I think, August eighteenth. Yeah. Uh, from just the movie. Uh, like it was at South by Southwest. Eight point two out of ten on IMDb. Ninety percent of people are liking this movie. Um, so far it looks looks like it's trending really well. So, uh, we will see where Strays goes. Uh, <laughs> sobbing uh, coming out of the movie theater. <laughs> Uh, Asteroid City. I don't think people are sobbing from Asteroid City, but uh, I have been on a little bit of a um, Wes Anderson binge lately, um, catching up. I went back and watched Moonrise Kingdom. You guys caught that one? That's a great movie. Oh yeah, one, uh, one of his best. I, I love it, and so like, I, I'm I'm hyped for Asteroid City. I'm gonna catch it when I get a chance. And then uh, Fast Ten, uh, a little bit of a bust there. And any thoughts on uh, the Fast Ten crowd there, Chris? No, too fast, too furious. Actually, ten times too fast, ten times too furious. Um, I saw some of the CGI from it, and it looked like dog shit. And then I was just like, okay, I guess I'm good on that movie. So we'll see. Uh, and then lastly, leave the world behind. Uh, I know Shane was excited for that one. Uh, do we have a date on that one? Yeah, it's a. I think it's a late November, early December release, direct to Netflix. I think, which is will be nice. Absolutely. So there's still some nice stuff coming out, despite the strike, uh, despite all these things. But, you know, I I feel like there's only been uh, one or two absolute movie bangers uh, and then, you know, mostly TV again. So hopefully the movies are not dead. Um, Hopefully we're not all going to go into the Mushroom Kingdom, um, either whether you consider that to be Last of Us or Super Mario taking over the world. Um, and, And we'll go from there. So. Fellas, anything else we want to add before we wrap this up and, and looking forward to the second half of the year? Uh, anything else you want to throw out to people that lets people know? I think... Um, uh, oh. You, you got something? Yeah, I'm excited. This weekend, I'm going to try to go see uh, Past Lives. I'm very excited to go see Past Lives. And I'll probably try to see Asteroid City at some point on either Monday or Tuesday. So other than that, that's it for me. I think they got another season of the after party coming out pretty soon. When I see commercials for that, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm excited for that. So definitely excited for that. I'm I mean, I'm excited for a lot of the fall and summer TV. Um I had I had a couple of months off my tongue and now now they're leaving me. It's fine. Um The Bear came out, it rules. And then Stephanie had another show that she was super hyped for. Now I can't think. It's fine. Um yeah. We'll, we'll see you. I, I, I'm assuming it's going to be the Barbie Oppenheimer massive showdown Armageddon pod. Either the whole world's going to be pink or the whole world's going to be blown off the surface of the, of the, of the earth. <laughs> I so, think that's right. I think that's uh, going to be back. E- either I mean, or. It's going to make me go watch both of those in the same day because I don't know if I can handle it. 
Yes, <laughs> that's Chris's own version. Oh man! All right, well, I'm fucking pre-gaming, and we're gonna. It's gonna be a long one. <laughs> a couple energy drinks. We'll get. We'll get you through it. Um, I'm. I I know we're getting grandma coverage for Barbie. I'm gonna see how soon I can catch Oppenheimer after that. So, uh, we'll see, fellas. It's so good to see you guys again. So good to talk some movies. It's good to be uh, back, folks. Loved it. Folks, we'll, we'll we'll be back with some more hot takes. Go watch Spider Man. Go watch The Bear, and uh, we'll be back sometime soon. Peace. Peace. Peace.